Keon Ward. And today we're gonna, you know, bring some powerful conversation to the table. We're talking about politics. If you guys know me, you know I love this conversation. I love hearing different perspectives. And I actually brought a kind of like this guy, he may not consider his, himself an expert in this field, but I think he is. Um, I, he's worked in, oh my God, he's been in Africa. He's been in Kingston, Jamaica, working as a diplomat. He's also served as the executive director of the, um, what is it? The Pima County, yeah. Yes, Democratic Party. So I want you guys to give it up for Mr. Joshua Palachek. Come on, welcome Joshua, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Reload. How are you today? I'm doing great this morning, how you doing? I mean, in the wake of everything that we are dealing with today in our society and the United States, I have to say I'm just blessed to be here um, under all of the circumstances that are taking place right now, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, I should tell your listeners why I'm feeling great is that we're getting every time my phone pings is a report that one of those uh, seditionists just got arrested by some cops and Florida or West Virginia or Arizona, every one of those arrests just, it, it makes my heart go a flutter. Oh, oh my God, Joshua, we got so much to talk about. So yeah. definitely gonna dive into that. Now, one thing that I've been asking each person that I interview as they um, come onto the reload, my question this year to everyone is, what are you rooting for in 2021? What's your vision? What's your expectation, whether that's personal or how you see the world? Can you answer that question, please? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that 2021, I know we're off to a little bit of a bumpy start. Um, and, you know, I want to recognize that what's been happening for the last four years and a lot of what we've, we've been seeing um, as a broader society are things that a lot of people in our society, whether they're um, people of color, indigenous people, uh, uh, working class or poor people, these are things that a lot of people have had to face, healthcare crises, um, issues with um, uh, uh, equality before the justice system. These are things that have been going on for a long time in our society. And I think we're finally facing up to them. So. I think 2021 um, is a year for both uh, healing, but also a year for reckoning, where we can think about the promises that we tell each other every day that brought us together as a society and make sure that those promises are for everyone in our society, that you know all men and women um, truly believe, you know, truly deserve that uh, promise of being created equal and being equal before the law um, because I think we have a chance to make things better, um, but we can't, we, you know, we can't waste that shot. Right, right, right. Now, um, Joshua, tell the people a little bit about your background, because I know yeah. that you've been pretty much out of the country working for a number of years. Like I said, you, you've been working in the, um, um, in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, yeah. Yes. So yes. Tell us about yeah. your experience and, and what you've been doing politically. Sure. Well, I mean, first, um, just to give some folks some uh, some background, um, because I don't know, I think a lot of people um, uh, nowadays grew up in the suburbs or, or in the cities. Um, I grew up um, on Indian reservations all across the Western US. And so for me, I've, I've had a firsthand experience of seeing what happens when our society fails um, uh, a, a group just because of um, their, their history and their history with the country. Um, so, you know, I, I, I went to the public schools on the reservations, you know, I'm a res kid. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's really personal to see now under COVID um, here in Arizona, where the uh, the group that has the the highest infection rate and and the highest death rate um, are um, our tribal brothers and sisters, and it's it's heartbreaking to me. Uh, my parents worked in that; they were both uh, medical folks, and and to see those uh, those just you know broken promises, um, it, it, it it it's that things haven't really gotten better in 30 years is, is heartbreaking. So yeah, after college, um, I um, joined the US State Department. Um, I 
I was a commissioned foreign service officer um, and I went, uh, my very first uh, tour was as an assistant public affairs officer at the U.S. Embassy in Harare, Zimbabwe in 2003. Um, and that was uh, right after uh, uh, the then president, uh, Robert Mugabe, um, uh, stole his first elect his his first major election the first time he had a competitive presidential election and he he lost it and I would never think that in my lifetime and never in America would I hear for the second time a politician saying to an elector uh, uh, an election official just go and find this number of votes like we know that Mugabe in 2002 told the election officials go and find um, you know, 55,000 votes to make sure that I win this election um, against my Democratic challenger. And uh, I never would have thought that we would hear a recording of that by an American president in my lifetime. Wow. Um, so after that, uh, I, did, uh, I did visa work in the Dominican Republic. Um, I worked um, in the General Assembly at the UN in New York uh, in 2006. Then I went to Mosul, Iraq, uh, in northern Iraq, famous for being part of the base of operations for uh, the so-called Islamic State or, or ISIL. Um, I was the provincial spokesperson um, for the U.S. State Department uh, in, uh, in northern Iraq uh, for uh, a year during the surge, 2007-2008. Um, after that, um, I went to Beirut. I did political work at the U.S. Embassy in Beirut. After there, uh, um, people power democratic revolution called the Cedar Revolution. Um, then I worked um, as a, uh, we call them a border coordinator. I was working very closely with Ambassador Holbrook's office to make in um, Islamabad, Pakistan, uh, to coordinate our, our policy, our diplomatic development and defense policy along the Afghanistan-Pakistan border uh, with frequent travel to Kabul and Kandahar. Um, that was also the year made famous by the movie O-Dark 30, where we, uh, we got bin Laden. Yeah, um, and that made our relationship with Pakistan very complicated. Um, and I, uh, you know, I saw the relationship between um, civil political authorities and uh, the military, which is an issue I would also never think that we would have here in the United States, but I think after this this week we saw, um, you know, what happens when politics um, starts to interfere with our military and security forces. Mm -hmm. um, I served for two years in Secretary Clinton's Office of Global Women's Issues, um, ensuring that uh, gender equality and gender issues were part. I was the Middle East Senior Policy Advisor. Uh, during the Arab Spring, so ensuring that uh, while we were uh, trying to navigate uh, these people power revolutions across the Arab world, uh, we are making sure that gender equality and, and women's issues were part of our policy, integrated into our policy. Um, the last sort of three or so months in that job, I was working almost exclusively on Syria, and it's, it's really heartbreaking because almost everybody that I worked with in Syria um, is either in exile, um, dead, or disappeared. Uh, we don't know their fate. Um, you know, we sometimes we have kind of short memories here in America, especially for what's going on overseas. And um, every time I think about, uh, you know, my my uh, my colleagues in Syria who were fighting for democracy and the violence that they faced, and the fact that that civil war is still going on. It, it really it breaks my heart. Um, I ran the American Cultural Center in New Delhi for a year and then was the head of public affairs uh, at our U.S. Embassy in Kingston, Jamaica for three years. Um, I did serve under this administration for um, about six months in Jamaica. Um, I faithfully served as a nonpartisan um, uh, civil servant uh, and then left uh, and went to uh, the Kennedy School uh, to get my master's in public administration and then came back to Tucson because my widowed father was was dying and I um, I spent a year caring for him as his primary caregiver. And then, yeah, and then I got hired. I was just like floating around after my dad died and the uh, local Democratic Party heard that I was a free agent and they wanted to bring someone on to help uh, lead them through the election. 
And I have to say, I think we did a pretty damn, um, I'm not sure if you have to beep things out in your, uh, uh, in your podcast, but a pretty damn effing good job. We oh, not at all cussed away. I love it. <laughs> we more than doubled uh, the vote share uh, from 2016 to 2020 for the presidential candidate. Um, so uh, around 41,000 votes, net votes for um, uh, Hillary Clinton out of Pima County um, in 2016 and um, over uh, 91,000 uh, uh, votes for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in 2020. And I, I hope your listeners know that the margin here in Arizona that delivered uh, Arizona, uh, which we were one of the two tipping point states, us and, and Georgia, um, was 10,000 votes. And so we are incredibly um, happy uh, that, that we won the state, uh, but there's a lot more work to do. And, you know, I was part of that, but it wasn't me. It was the, um, the, the uh, Chicano and Chicana uh, activists that have been working in Arizona for a decade, um, ever since there was a show, show my, your papers bill um, that came you know, was basically, if you don't look right, the local authorities could demand to see your citizenship papers. I mean, that's just un-American. Um, and so um, they've been organizing for a decade. Um, our, in, uh, our indigenous brothers and sisters, uh, we had some of the highest um, voter participation rates uh, among the tribal nations uh, in Arizona's history. Um, the uh, African-American activists, uh, we had very high turnout among the African-American community. And overall, um, we, we just can't come together um, on what I call team democracy here in Arizona from across the ethnic and color and political lines uh, to, to vote uh, for a team in Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris that's, that's going to re rebuild our nation um, and we, we need to work together like that you know the one vote in November or even Georgia you know yay Georgia like we forget about Georgia right like Georgia was, was Tuesday uh, the, the Georgia Senate race yeah so yeah we're uh, I, I'm you know I'm very grateful to have had these opportunities and to work with the amazing people uh, that have put in so much hard work before me right 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 um, I I want to know this question. With what you're seeing going on right now today, do you think the United States um, unknowingly we're in a civil war? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it a civil war. Like I've been in countries like Pakistan, um, uh, like uh, like Lebanon, like Iraq. Um, that actually had um, high intensity civil conflicts that, you know, in, in Lebanon, it was called the civil war. Um, in Pakistan and Iraq, it was called an insurgency. Um, I would say in, in Iraq, it was more like a civil war um, because it was broad based and ethnic. Um, and the, minor the minority that was fighting the, the, the government was large enough to qualify, I think, for a civil war. In Pakistan, it was more like a regional insurgency um we're not seeing that but it doesn't mean that we couldn't see something like that um mm -hmm. I, I don't want to like give a shout out to your competitors but there is a great podcast called it could happen here um by a conflict journalist who did some amazing work in syria named robert evans mm -hmm. um and uh he in 2019 laid out a scenario where uh, instead of just a really intense and divided country, it actually, we, we started to see a civil conflict here in America. Mm. I personally feel that we have, a, we have a chance to pull back from the brink, um, that there is something about America and the ideals that we, we promise people. And again, as I told you on the top of the hour, these are ideals that um, have not been delivered to all Americans. Um, and that we, you know, we need to deliver our promise to everyone um, if we're going to call ourselves a beacon of democracy. Um, so I don't think I don't think we're there, but I would also say I don't think we're there yet. And it's something that um, we need to work on. Democracy is only what you make of it. Like if you live in a dictatorship, you can just let that stuff slide. Like you you let the dictators and the secret police run things. But in a democracy. 
you know, you're the one that needs to go to the school board meeting. You're the one that needs to lobby your state legislature to make sure your schools get the proper funding. You know, you're the one that needs to hold your uh, national leaders to account. Um, so I, I think, you know, people are suffering, right? There's no question right. people are suffering in this country. Um, and even those that I disagree with very strongly and who I feel have, have betrayed some of the ideals of our country, we we have to recognize the, the their humanity and that they are suffering. Um, that doesn't in any way justify uh, the sort of actions they've been taking. But um, you, if we recognize the suffering of people, that allows us to um, to bring them back into the into our fold, uh, into our society, and 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 hopefully we can rebuild better. What, what are your thoughts with what's taking place right now? Um, of course, we know Georgia, they just had a, even a bigger win, not only just changing the state to a blue state, but also now having um, two new representatives who are Democrats um, to be part of the new administration to help um, bring those those policies that we need passed. Because I think it's what, it's like 250 bills that were put on on hold right now. So how yeah. do you feel about Georgia? What are you looking forward for um, with these two? With War, yeah, we're not gonna off. Not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Senator-elect uh, Reverend uh, Dr. Uh, Raphael Warnock uh, and his, his I, I can't wait to see his incredibly cute dog on the floor of the Senate. I hope he brings him. <laughs> um, and uh, the youngest Senator, uh, I think this is, it's, uh, you know, they say that um, that history um, either um, uh, comes in echoes um, or, um, or or comes in uh, in discord, uh, like discordance. And I think what we're seeing now is is a is an echo that um, uh, John Ossoff is the youngest U.S. senator um, since Joe Biden was elected. Uh, to the Senate for the first time um, in wow. the 1970s. Um, and he's taking that title from Josh Hawley, who is, is, is someone who, he's the Republican who, as he was walking past the insurrectionists, um, did the like fist bump to them. Uh, he, yeah. you know, he's, he's someone who uh, puts his personal ambitions above the Constitution and the uh, the future, I think, the very future of our country. Um, I am incredibly excited. I, I, I am so grateful for the people of, of Georgia. I'm grateful for the volunteers here in my county um, and across the country who helped um, phone bank and text bank and send letters and postcards to the, the voters of Georgia, who I'm sure are sick of having been contacted five, six, seven, eight times. But people, you know, people knew uh, where uh, where history was um, last Tuesday and and over the the runoff period. Um, and yeah, as you rightly say, um, for the last two years, uh, the House has passed um, hundreds of bills that would have made the lives uh, of everyday uh, Americans better. And um, you know, people like to blame Mitch McConnell, right? Mitch McConnell is just the head of the Republican Senate. He, right. he is there because he's the face of the other, um, I, I guess it was 50, uh, 52 Republican senators, um, so that they could hide behind him. He, he's, he's the face. You know, he's the face. Yeah. Yeah. Any two, any two Republican senators could have worked with the the Democratic caucus to get what's called the discharge petition and to get, um, say, HR one, which is the John Lewis um, Act, which would have restored okay. the Voting Rights Act um, to full force. Um, any two Republican senators could have broken with their caucus uh, to get it on the floor and to work with Democrats to do that. They did not, uh, or any three, sorry, any three, because um, it was yeah. 5248. Um, and so, you know, yeah, Mitch McConnell, not my favorite politician, but neither are any of the other 52 in his caucus who worked with him. Um, you know, and I'll remind you that only one Republican uh, 
voted for impeachment. We had a chance to to get rid of this guy um, in January. You know, it's almost the anniversary of the first impeachment, and we're looking at another impeachment with only two weeks to go, not, you know, fewer than two weeks to go in the administration. So, you know, we have to remember their names. Like, it's, it's not... You know, Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma, um, uh, um, uh, Senator Thune from North or South Dakota, um, you know, Lindsey Graham, um, uh, all these people that, you know, they're sort of, they get to slide by, uh, Steve Daines from Montana, they get to slide by on being anonymous because Mitch takes all the fire and everyone's like, oh, Mitch, 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 I, you know. Mitch is just, he's the front man, right? Like, uh, you, you got to look behind the curtain. Um, so I, I'm so excited yeah. that we're, that, you know, people like um, Interior Secretary Deb um, um, uh, Holland, uh, the first um, uh, Indigenous uh, person to be uh, nominated uh, for a cabinet, or not for, for a secretary position. We, we have had a Indigenous vice president before. Uh, but she's the first um, uh, the first person to run a cabinet department um, for the interior uh, Department of Interior, which has the Bureau of Indian Affairs to have an actual American Indian running and in charge of the Bureau of Indian Affairs for the first time in history is 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 amazing um, to uh, to ensure that the the nominees and the judges um, are going to get through so that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to have the cabinet that they choose. Um, that's going to make a huge difference um, on the everyday lives of people. And I really hope um, that the leaders of my party take seize this opportunity and pass an agenda um, that alleviates uh, the suffering of everyday um, uh, Americans, everyday hardworking Americans, and then goddamn take credit for it. Like, show what government can do, and then take credit for being the ones that got government doing that, right? Like, whether we're talking um, about making um, our, uh, 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 our COVID relief, um, like, stop calling it a stimulus, talking, you know, it's relief. There are tens of millions of people out of, out of work, and you know, a two thousand dollar check right. compared to the trillions tr with a T that the Republicans gave in in two thousand seventeen to rich people in the tax bill, mm -hmm. like just because, like whether you get the check from the government in your in your tax forms or whether you get it in the form of an actual check, it's it's the same thing. Like the government's giving you money, and right. I you know I want that money going to you know my friends and neighbors and not not to billionaires who are just going to like stick it in their in their portfolio um so you know and we got to take credit for it right we have to make sure that we expand healthcare access that we um we rebuild our crumbling roads and bridges and railroads and and airports you know these are things we need to make sure that our our schools we don't just have equal funding, but that we make up for the historic um, underfunding in our schools. Um, you know, it's 2021. We should not be talking about things like a minority school district, right? We should be talking about an American school district and making sure that the kids in that school district have an equal opportunity, no matter if they're in, you know, inner city New Haven or whether they're in, um, you know, some bougie suburb of New York City. Do you think that we haven't made it there is because of the fear of a lot of white Americans? I mean, what we witnessed this week, right? Um, and and as, as foolish as it sounds, some of them making a statement as, I, I, I don't know, I think it's for the cameras. I, I don't think that they really feel like this, they feel um, well, I can't say that they don't really feel like this, but they feel that the reason why they stormed um, the Capitol is because they feel that um, there's a war going on between the American people and big government and government trying to take control over so many things. But if you dig deep down into this situation, 
it does go, it boils down to race, it boils down to economics, it boils down to um, a whole a whole number of different other layers in this. I mean, we, we saw pictures of how a noose was hanging on the, um, I think the West end of the Capitol and yeah. how, you know, those, a lot of those big brothers were marching into the Capitol uh, with their Confederate flags. And we know what the Confederate flag represents. We, we saw them liter literally run behind a black police officer, Capitol officer in this building as if we're back in, in, in the early hundreds where slavery took place. Like when I see that, that's the picture that I get. And I think a lot of people don't understand um, why a lot of African-Americans say that we're still stuck in times. Cause when we see that, no, he's not running on his bare, in his bare, on, in his bare feet, running through the woods, but you're chasing him. It's that same Im image um, that we have seen for um, thousands, hundreds of years, excuse me. Um, so what's your take on this this capital storm and 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 what do you see as what what is needed um for us to move forward because we're seeing some of the arrests like you said earlier but yeah i i think more needs to be done than just a few arrests well i i, I think i mean first and foremost we need to arrest the people that incited and organized this mm -hmm. um you know as much as i I completely condemn the the actual foot soldiers. You know, I think a lot of these people uh, were uh, uh, were manipulated, uh, were uh, taken advantage of by people who are using them to advance their own political agenda. And we need those are the people that we need to hold to account. Um, you know, I, I won't even say his name. I'll call him Individual One, just like the uh, the Mueller report did. <laughs> You know, individual one, his his criminal family, his enablers um, inside and outside uh, the White House, um, uh, people like, uh, um, uh, I mean, I, I think they should be expelled from the Senate, but I'll, I'll give them the title right now, Senators uh, Cruz and Hawley. Um, you know, even people like, uh, like Senator Daines from Montana, um, who, uh, originally was going to undermine the legitimacy and then when his life was personally threatened because some of the foot soldiers came in um <laughs> you know a few of them changed their tune right the um uh, the it's not a few a lot of them changed their tune now i mean look i i feel like anybody so, that has so we, we need to yeah we need to arrest the people you know the, there needs to be actual accountability for the leadership you know, you don't, it, it's not, it, it, you know, the people who stood on the White House rotunda uh, and and talked about uh, trial by combat and talked about, you know, going over to the Capitol and taking our country back. Um, you know, we live in a country with free speech, but that doesn't mean that speech does not have consequences. Um, and if you, and if you are, if you're telling someone, you know, you know, people like, oh, free speech, free speech. If you're a mafia don and you say, you know, I want to make sure that that guy doesn't bother me anymore, um, you know, that's, and, and then one of your hitmen goes and, and bumps that guy off, you don't have a right to free speech. I mean, you have a right, you can say that, you know, and the government's not going to stop you from saying it, but it's damn well going to prosecute you for conspiracy to commit murder, right? Um, and so if, like I don't see the huge difference whether you're a mafia don um, in some you know in in some uh, red sauce restaurant in in Queens um, or whether you're doing it on the White House rotunda in front of uh, uh, national media. Um, there needs to be accountability. Um, you know I think uh, as you know um, uh, a Capitol Hill police officer succumbed to the head trauma that he received um, during uh, this. Um, that uh, there were 
um, uh, several cases of weapons caches being found, um, IEDs, uh, improvised explosive devices being found, um, uh, uh, you know, across political offices um, at the at the Capitol. Um, and I, I want to, you know, just remind your listeners that this was, you know, we're focusing on what's happening in D.C., right? We're focusing on what's happening on the Capitol. But afterwards in D.C., there have been multiple reports of gangs of people assaulting random African-Americans who are just minding their damn business on the streets of Washington, D.C. Wow. There have been reports of uh, similar attacks in, in Los Angeles and, and other cities Love across it. Uh, across the country um, that it wasn't just at the U.S. Capitol, but, you know, at, at, uh, I, I know um, that they burned, that similar groups burned effigies of governors um, in the Pacific Northwest, that in, in Phoenix, uh, a group of, um, uh, I, I can only call them cosplayers, in camo and long, long guns set up what appears to be a fully functional guillotine um, at the at the Arizona Capitol complex, wow. um, so I mean, for me, you know, the shocking imagery that we see um, can't distract from the fact that the leaders uh, who incited this, who used this for their own personal ends, and you know, do I know whether you know Donald Trump and and Senator Holiday and Senator Cruz like truly believe in in white supremacy um, and are trying to you know make the uh, the Handmaiden's Tale uh, a reality um, or do I think that they might be political grifters? I don't know what's going on in their head, and you know, quite frankly, I don't want to live in their heads. Um, well, I mean, I, for me, I'll, I'll yeah. interject there. For me, yeah. I, I I can say and I can tell you, and I have, and I have to say, yes, they do, because not only was he close friends with one of the leaders of the KKK, we have to remember that. It's a lot of things that I think we overlook and we forget that has taken place that is very verbatim. And, and you know, like if, if I was to hang yeah. around a bunch of gangsters, right? Right. And 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 I'm saying they're not bad. They're not bad gangsters. Even though just a week ago they just murdered someone, they're not bad. You're going to assume that I'm partaking or that I believe in their thought process, their beliefs and their methods of how they do business. So I think like we have to as America as as American and as 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 this country, we have to take ownership of the things that we do know and stop trying to sweep it under the rug rug and stop trying to not call a thing a thing. You know, it's yeah. like, it is what it is. It's the truth and we have to stop being so scared of saying it just like with these people who who are um antagonizing people who storm the capital they are really terrorists they're domestic terrorists and and i hate that we are using this mob this mob word because i feel like even that word can be um sympathized because people love the mob we have to think about people love the mob even though the mob was were murderers and, 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 and gangsters and drug dealers, people love them. And we saw how many years it took for even, um, for example, the state of, uh, of New York to take down some of the biggest notorious um, mos- mobsters um, in the country. So that, that's- well, and, and, you, that, and you know that, you know, that a lot of, you know, that we they were, you know, the mobsters from one particular ethnic group were taken down but now what we're seeing, you know, we're seeing the Russian mob, right? We're seeing, and I know we're also seeing the Jamaican mob in the tri-state mm-hmm. area um, from my time in Jamaica. And, um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, if, why, if, if, if individual number one is a billionaire, mm-hmm. why do no American banks loan to him? And why is the only bank that's loaning to him one that has, you know, significant ties to the Russian mob and the Russian oligarchs, right? So, um, but so I I guess my point, and maybe my point, you know, it's too clever and a half is, you know, I actually think it might be worse for someone who's who's not a true believer, who's not a David Duke type, 
but who 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 uses that as a political grifter to get ahead. Um, and so, you know, whether or not you're a true believer, whether or not you're just a political grifter um, who who's manipulating people and, and appealing to uh, people's worst instincts, um, or whether you truly believe in those worst instincts yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I actually think that the you know the manipulator and the grifter um, is is on some level worse than the true believer. Um, but it doesn't matter because in either case you're advancing um, this anti-democratic movement that's fracturing and dividing our country. Right. Well, Joshua, um, as we're about to wrap up here, um, any last we're not talking about culture, like I I, you know. know. I know, I, I, I love this. <laughs> I'm looking forward to like, you know, coming to America uh, part two, right? Like I'm looking forward to yes. what, you know, Steve McQueen's <laughs> next project. You know, we, 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 you know, during COVID that the fact that he produced, you know, I can only call it a masterpiece, the five part series, right. uh, Steve McQueen, uh, you know, like, I'm looking forward to to getting my vaccine and, and watching a, a freaking movie in a movie theater again. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to going to shows again. Um, you know, I hear rumors that uh, uh, that Jay and Bay might be doing another joint album. Um, oh I don't know if it's going to be yeah. this year or next year <laughs> or if it's just one track. But, you know, the Carters was amazing. And I like I want I want the Carters <laughs> over, too. Right. Like, uh, right. Right. So, like I think you know, as as much as things were kind of rough in politics, right? We we got to remember that um, America has made some amazing things, um, you know, uh, in in art and culture, um, and that like let's let's celebrate, like keep our eye on the prize, right? You know, right. I, I I keep hearing. Um, yeah, because my dad, he he was part of SNCC. He went down to Love, Mississippi in '63. He was a he was a couple of hundred miles away from the three civil rights workers that got killed. He got you know he got picked up by a cracker sheriff and beat up. Um, and you know, so I got raised uh, on on the songs, right? That my dad sang when he went down uh, when he went down. And you know, I just I can't I can't stop thinking right now you got to keep the eyes on the prize right, right and right. um that music that people you know the 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 merging of uh, of the 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 jewish liberation narrative with this the negro spirituals mm, and this yeah. idea that that the oppressed can come together um and and liberate um not just themselves, but magnanimously liberate those who were doing the oppressing. Because remember, white supremacy also messes with the head of the white people, right? Like the dude wearing the like, it, it was cold in DC yesterday, and the dude running around barefoot with the like Viking rags on, like I bare chest. I saw that. I saw that. Right? Like, um, he, he can't be feeling very good, right? Like there was broken glass everywhere. Like, you know, I, I want somebody like that to get help. You know, I want him to go to jail first, but I want him to get help when he's in jail. Um, so, you know, this, these, this messes with the head, this messes with the moral compass um, of, of the people suffering uh, from, or who have been infected by this, by this idea. And I just think, you know, keep the eye on the prize and let's, we got some great, great culture coming out in 2021. <laughs> um, you know, I can't, I, I, I just hope that, like, I, that this July 4th that we, you know, we celebrate, um, you know, not how great we've been as America, but how great we can be if we actually deliver our promise to all Americans. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to barbecues and and, uh, and hanging out with my friends and family. Um, and I hope that, you know, you know, if, when air travel, when it's safe to travel again, we can connect and, uh, you right, know. Exactly. Uh, oh, we will. We will. Yeah. I'm, I'm that Fourth of July baby, so yeah. I'm hoping this year that. What? Uh, are, yeah. What are you looking forward to, culture-wise? I uh, mean, it's it's a little bit of everything. I I hope to see, um, in, in particular, since we're talking about policies with this administration, really enforcing real African American studies in school, because mm. I do think that it starts with. Um, it starts with the youth um, because 
when children go home, they are surrounded by their parents. They are surrounded yep. by their real environment of their beliefs of what they believe in. But at least when they get to school, they have more exposure to the reality of how the world really is operating the people who impact this world so i think if, if we don't start there which i hope this administration do implement some things um within the public schools and even um even private schools hopefully will take um on a role of making sure that they're educating um their students of different cultures and um and different backgrounds on the importance of of race, really talk, having classes about r racism and about yeah. colorism and about all these things that really it results into how they interact with people in the real world. And then of course, because the Relo is all about where entertainment meets culture. Yes, I'm so ready. I'm ready to get back to the world. I'm ready to, to, to interact with people in the music industry, interact with people in TV and film and how music impacts every aspect. Like you said, music impacts politics. Um, we saw how a lot of the, in Georgia, if, if yeah. you, you know, like the influence of rappers like T.I., Killer Mike, and, and mm -hmm. other grassroots activists in that, com in that community, in that state, if it wasn't for them, and people in and, and younger people idolizing them or I wouldn't even say idolize but who look up to them or who yeah. um, are influenced by them. If they didn't if they didn't hear from them, then those numbers would not be like the way that they are. If it wasn't for a Stacey Adams who, you know, didn't get the support of the nomination of being VP, who I would have loved to see as a VP, and that's no offense against um who we currently have, but I mean, I, I was on team Kamala from, uh, from, from like, I, I, I worked out and I, I, I volunteered for the, for her when, you know, when she was still running for, for president. So for president, like, yeah. yeah. Um, I but yeah. First too, but then I, I kind of switched because I just have a different belief myself of, of where government should be right now and and, yeah. what, and what the political system looks like and what it should look like in the future so um well, I, I mean I look, I look forward to you know governor abrams um in in georgia um you know her winning that race in 2022 um and really providing some some leadership not just in georgia not just in the south but in 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 the nation providing a model of how we can, um, you know, get to our better selves as a country. Right. And um, yeah, that's what that's what I'm looking for. And I'm also looking for- You're not naming names on music though. Like I, I need oh, to, like, what, what, what do I add to yeah. my playlist? Okay, so I listen, of course, Beyonce, of course, Jay-Z. Um, yeah, but what I, new I, projects I, are coming? You, if you got your ear to the terms, ground, I want to hear. In terms of the projects right now, a lot of people's projects that were supposed to come out this year are not coming out. And yeah. um, they're going to have to redo new projects because now that sound, that sound that they had, that they were producing and working on in 2020 is no longer relevant. So oh, yeah. that's why I can't even really say what projects because those projects now are in the back burner. If they're not relevant today and, and, and in the year of 2021 or what's going to take place in 2022, because in music, sound change, the yeah, yeah. language change, the, the fashion change. So uh, a, a lot of those projects probably will be projects where they may do like a collection album um, where they'll add some of those old projects to a new project. Um, I know um in terms of like i love rihanna rihanna but we know rihanna is not really focused right now on releasing her album and and, and which serves her right because what she's doing in fashion and in makeup and then i think she's about to launch something else another type of project um it just makes more sense to focus on that than music right now i'm ready to see coming to american coming to america too um um, I just interviewed Rodney actor and comedian Rodney Perry, and he's going to, he has a camo in that movie. So I'm definitely ready to see Eddie again. Um, I'm, oh my God. I mean, 
I don't know. It's 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 so it's it's so much that's going on and so much to embrace that um a lot of people they still it's still unclear. We don't know what's happened with nightlife. Um, yeah. which is which they have been pretty much put to the side, I think, and neglected in this pandemic. So I hope um, you know, the new administration will find a way to to, to help us because I'm part of that community too with um with with getting the right kind of funding and yeah. being able to bring life back to the nightlife world. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's a huge it's a huge part know. of our culture, a huge <laughs> part of our economy, and you know we we have to save our stages. You know whether it's their you know music stages or or right. theater, our comedy clubs like they were the first to shut down and they're going to be the last to reopen. Um, and you know it's it it's for me that's something where culture and economy and society all come together, mm-hmm. and um, you know I think it's. It's it's a huge loss to our country, and that's something that's really been essential to moving America forward. Is people getting together in those nightclubs, whether you know whether it's the jazz clubs of the Harlem Renaissance, you know whether it was the um, like the the I guess it's all New York centric, whether it's like the the folk clubs of the '60s where a lot of um, the the third wave civil rights movement got together. <laughs> um, but it, we we advance our, our 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 society and our nation when our culture has that chance to frizz and be together and to make this incredible art um, that that is America. So, um, well, it was it was a pleasure and an honor. I, uh, I I'm uh, I can't believe I'm on the you know the same uh, uh, the same podcast as Mr. Perry, but uh, you know yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I bring a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, we're going to have more to come. I know that we'll probably, like I said, when this world gets back running, and um, I definitely have some more projects um, that I have coming up, I definitely want you to um, be a part of that as well because I feel like, whether you believe it or not, give you a couple more years to adjust to being back in America, I do see you uh, running for more um, political positions. Uh, I'm going to just put it out there, you know, you... It's gonna be the universe. It's gonna be up to the universe to make sure you listen and um, and take heed of the direction for your next move uh, with your political <laughs> career. Uh, and I mean, and lastly, one other thing. Are you, you're, you're gonna you're gonna move to Tucson and look after look, my, my I'm going to look. I'm I'm going to help you. You know, I used to work in politics, so you know, if it's somebody that I believe in and I know it can make a difference and 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 in some way with your background, um, because I do feel like a lot of political leaders are missing what it means to work with the, with the people. You know, I think when we, as, as their career grow, sometimes they lose that reality of what it means to be a regular citizen in America um, because their status has changed. And, um, and, and when well, I, th- I think, whoops, there yeah. you go. I think you see that, that Girl Scout, uh, right? And that's, uh, there, there we go. Uh, you know, right. that, that's me, that's me and my daughter at, at, at uh, Kamala's uh, rally here in rally. Tucson right before the election, you know, and, and for, I'm, a lot of it, I'm doing it for her, right? Like, right, right. Uh, I look at her and, you know, she's, um, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't agree with this frame. I think we need to move beyond it. But she's, she's seen by the world as, as um, uh, a mixed race, black Jewish girl child, right? And she's the daughter and the granddaughter of immigrants. And um, either, you know, she is part of the future of America, or there's no future for my family in America. So this is personal for me, right? Um, and, and uh, you know. When we were, I don't know if I told you the story, but when we went to that rally with with, with uh, then Senator and now Vice President-elect Harris, um, we got pulled up to the rope line. Um, well, we didn't. My daughter did, but I had to escort her uh, because she's six. Uh, and so I'm carrying her on my shoulders and uh, Senator Harris is going along and, um, you know, there's a six-foot divide and a Secret Service right. in between. And she's like nodding and waving. And then she gets to me, and then she sees me, and then she sees these little legs, and she looks up, 
and she totally ignores me uh, <laughs> and says, um, you know, oh baby, are you a Girl Scout? And my daughter, who is totally starstruck, is just uh -huh, nodding yes. Yeah. And she's like, oh honey, you know, um, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? And she's like, you know, she doesn't know what to say. They're like, there's people are cheering, right? It's it's loud, and, and she's like, you know, baby, I'm doing this so that one day you can be president. Uh, and you know, and I, I just I hold that you know I hold space for that in my heart that um, uh, you know we do this for the children so that uh, you know one day the promises that our parents made to us and our grandparents made to our our parents one day we can make sure those promises are a reality. Right, right, man. Well, look, I I I, I think it will happen. Um, we just have to keep fighting. We have to keep. Um, believe in, in, in um, where we can be and where we want to be and, and what it's going to take to get there. So, Joshua, I, your eyes on the prize. <laughs> eyes on the prize, like you said. Um, yeah. I thank you, I thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the reload tonight. Um, we are so excited to have you and uh, we look forward to working with you more in the future. Joshua, go ahead, go ahead, go follow ahead. Follow me, uh, Joshua P underscore AZ on uh, on all the socials, uh, on Twitter and Facebook, um, and, or sorry, Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you know, you can hear my not, not very original takes on politics uh, and culture, um, and uh, you can see pictures of that cutie um, uh, <laughs> up on my Instagram feed. So yeah, Joshua P underscore AZ, and uh, I look forward to, to being back anytime. All right, man. Again, thank you all for tuning in to The Reload. I'm your host, Keanu Ward. Make sure you follow Joshua on all of his social media channels. Um, we have more in store for you. Stay involved into the, in the political system. Make sure you vote when the next election come around. You have a local election coming up, a state election coming up, special election coming up. Go out and vote because that's what makes the difference in how we can shift and make this country a better place. We are signing out and thank you, thank you, thank you. It's the reload. Bye, people. <laughs>